This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, the first one of 2022, guys. And it started off with a corker. Joining me on today's show, we've got Blake. Hey there. We've got Gully. Evening, guys. And we've got Kim. Hi, guys. Firstly, how are we all feeling? New year, new me. Are we all feeling good? You know, up and positive for the new year. Um, I'm guessing we'll, we'll start with Kim. How are you feeling today, out of curiosity? Uh, oh, God, I'm feeling the most energetic I've ever felt in my life today. Good to know. Good to know. I'll, I'll leave on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, let's just get cracking straight into the game. Um, for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last 24 hours and decided to come to Wolves Fancast before looking anywhere else, Wolves won for the first time since 1980 at Old Trafford, beating Manu 1-0. I mean, it, it was the stuff of, I was going to say, the stuff of legends, it felt like, guys. Um, if we go back to the lineup, we, we've, of course, missed the last couple of games because of um, COVID postponements, but <clears throat> the team was pretty much as to be expected, would you say, Gully? Yeah, to a certain extent. I, th- I think well, first thing to say from my perspective was I was just buzzing for us to have a game on it. It's been pretty shit having our games called off over Christmas um, for many reasons. But, you know, it's just that period just isn't the same without football. Um, and I can't, I'm can't. i not ready to listen to anybody who feels differently. Um, so Christmas is football. Football is Christmas. That's just I think it. I could have, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I reckon I could have coped with losing one game, but losing two was tough. Yeah, I, I, I needed honestly. something. I, I, I did, I did miss that, and even I guess on the Monday morning, you know, or pretty much all day to be honest, like just being on Twitter and being on, you know, catching up with people about the game. Proper the Arsenal game, feel it. yeah. The Arsenal game was my dad's birthday, and it was the day out, and that was it. Yeah. Like that's your birthday present, mate deal with it mm. happy days so then we had to make alternative plans didn't we so that fucked everything up um but just the the buzz of the team being announced you know you feel like you've been out of it for like months almost but it's only been a couple of weeks hasn't it and um the fact there was man united first game is of the year it was it was i've never been so excited to watch a game sat at home i don't think yeah um so it's quite strange for you. My whole Christmas was centered around these two games. Like I was like, okay, Boxing Day, it's a bit annoying tradition, but at least we've got United and Arsenal. And then when we didn't have Arsenal, I was absolutely gutted. So I think, yeah, that's where my overexcitement came from yesterday. I think Don't know what you're talking about, Kim. Is that what you're putting it down to, Kim? Yeah. Just overexcitement, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I had COVID for the two games prior. So I you got lucky then, almost. 
So Blake, well, like almost, Blake almost. So, but I missed four games really. So that was just crushing me. So, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant to have this be the one that I came back for. Yeah, it felt, it felt, it felt from a Wolves perspective anyway. Just for stars aligned for us, is a like, yeah, all day. Just felt like there was just that right positivity in the air. Um, you know, we'll talk a bit about transfers and recalls and stuff like that. But focusing on the game itself, I mean, good. Me and you were chatting before beforehand, saying just felt like we were going to win. Just and same. I was like, I didn't think we were going to lose. I thought we were going to put on a show, and we did. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this United team, you see the names, but you see the way they've played, uh, the kind of mess that the club has been in pretty much ever since uh, Sir Alex left. This isn't the same club that we grew up watching back in the 90s. And when you think about how we've played against them since we got promoted back to the Premier League, yeah. you always fancy us. Uh, I can't call out a game where I think United have genuinely been the better side. Um, it was notorious for being very low scoring um, and tight and, and pretty turgid. Like last season, at Old Trafford was a pretty dreadful game for the neutral. Um, but I'm glad we took the approach that we did, started the front three with Trincao and Pedence, um, and, and really took the game to them because that's that's what it required. Yeah. And I mean, first half in particular, it felt like how we played against them in the initial fixture early in the season, like how we went out, you know, organs blazing, Blake. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was fantastic to see, you know. Um, I think that was really a game where we needed to be there because while Manchester United have a bunch of great players, they're not really a team, are they? So I think the game, like you guys said, was really there for the taking and we take full, we took full advantage of that. Yeah, um, I was going to say, starting, I guess, first half-wise, we got plenty of shots off. Um, I guess I want to sort of pick on a couple of players in the first half for sort of overall general thoughts, and I guess we'll go one good, one bad. Um, but we mentioned sort of starting with front three. Um, and Daniel Podence seemed to, you know, turn it on once again. Um, similar to how he did against Chelsea before the before the breaking really put in a good performance. But then Trincao on the other side and even Jimenez looked quite anonymous. I mean, what did you guys sort of think of the overall display of the front three, particularly in the first half? Because that's when we had our real kind of sense of urgency. I think we were really, really on it in terms of as a team from the word go from an attacking perspective, which I think I was a bit surprised at how we weren't doing our usual defending deep that's often happened in various away games this season. Um, I think I was looking at the stats um, that actually I can't take credit. My friend did tell me about this stat that the the 15 efforts that we had chopped on target in the first half is the most since records began at Old Trafford. Wow. So you were obviously doing something right. However, if you actually look, watch the game, atrocious, aren't they? Um, and I think you're right, Rich, to be honest. Jimenez um, and Trincao were a bit... They weren't at really in the game, whereas Pedence, I thought he, especially first half, he was really, really getting in between the lines, getting his shots off. 
Um, I, was, I thought he, he looked kind of back to his best again and, and was probably unlucky not to, you know, get, get something, get a return, get an assist or, or a goal, I think. Yeah. Um, come on, Mike. I'm a bit worried with, with Jimenez, in fact, and it just sort of seems like he's been missing in action for the past few games, and it's just it's something that really worries me that we're just never really going to get him back the way he used to be. And granted, he can still be a great footballer. We saw that at, at Southampton and a few other games this season. But I really am just worried that, that Jimenez may not be the answer that we need up front. That's that's going to be a tricky one, I guess, kind of going forward. And it, it's probably one of the reasons why Bruno Large is sort of very much saying, I want us to get another striker. I want us to have yeah. another option because he, he's played most games this season. He's played most minutes this season. And for someone who is finding his feet back, I completely get where you're coming from. The, my, my heart very much overrules my head when it comes to Jimenez um, in terms of you know wanting to see him play. But there, I guess there is a reality. Um, at some point, especially with Fabio Silva's uh, cameo, which we'll kind of t- touch on to in a bit. But I mean, I, we talked about forwards, and it was a bit, you know, good and bad. Gully, I'm going to pass it over to you to wax lyrical about wing backs and the centre midfield because I feel like you'll have a lot to say on them. Um, because again, we've watched we've watched Nevers and Matinho enough times over the last three years to feel that they don't work, but. It's a different story now, and Monday's game was something else in the middle of the park for them too. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like with with every passing week, we we look back at the Nuno tenure with a little bit more like, hmm, were we really getting the best out of these players um, to a certain extent? Especially with the whole idea that Neves and Matinho, you know, and it was quite widespread that there was a view that Neves and Matinho couldn't operate together. Um, I remember. Uh, we were talking. I think we did a live on transfer deadline day, and um, someone posed the question of whether we who we'd swap uh, West Ham's midfield for. Would would we take any of their players and stuff? And yeah. you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But and I know West Ham are playing well this season. But if you said to David Moyes, you held a gun to his head and said, "You're losing your job tomorrow unless you swap Neves and Matinho for Royce and Socek." I think he would take that that trade. Firstly, I, yeah. I honestly believe that. Um, you know, so and, and I mean, we were down in Brighton and we were in a pub with some Brighton fans. You know, another team that are going pretty well, and they looked at us and they said, "You know, with your squad, you've got a really, really good good team." You know, that they they think individually that you know a lot of teams can't hold a candle to us, like and the way they're being utilised is another question and the way that we're getting the best out of all of our talent is another question, especially like we just mentioned with like of Trincao, Jimenez, not necessarily playing to their levels at the moment. Individually, like the talent, as we saw, as I'd say, we've we've shown every time we play Man United, you know, Neves. Paul Popper wasn't playing this week, but Neves shits on Paul Pogba every time he comes up against him. He's, he's just an absolute Rolls Royce. Matinho yesterday was, oh, mate, the guy the guy was just on another level to anybody on the pitch. Totally. Even Marcel looked like a really good wing back yesterday, um, putting some really lovely crosses in. And I've not been his biggest fan this season. Um, so just to see that 
you know, it, it's it's always a good reminder, especially during a transfer window, that you know what, we're actually all right. We're actually a pretty good team. We've actually got some good players, and the fans need to kind of be reminded of that every now and then. Yeah, I think. Do you know what the funny thing is? That Matinho didn't look his age. He was running around like it was such a good performance, and then you just saw Ronaldo, who at one point felt like he couldn't even get, he couldn't even outpace Connor Cody. And I just thought, wow, like it's <laughs> well, we won't go into that one. I was gonna say, but, good, yeah. we will, Gully. we will today. Well. <laughs> I, say, I, I, won't, I won't necessarily flick to talk about Man United too much, but I'm pretty sure yesterday, Gully, you described Ronaldo as being the eighth best Portuguese player on the pitch yesterday. Uh, that wasn't me, but I wholeheartedly agree. Was it with not it. you? Uh, yeah, wholeheartedly agreed with it. He was a shadow of any of the Portuguese internationals that were on show. Let's just put it that way. And one of them doesn't even have a cap for his national team, Jose Sarr. So I mean, let's say all, all of the all the performers, um, you know, all, all the Wolves players kind of held accountable, especially the back line throughout. Um, I mean, it, it feels like we're week in, week out. We're saying Cody's had a strong game yet again. Matinho's had a strong game yet again. Kilman, you know, just he logs down Cristiano Ronaldo. But it's not something that many centre halves get to say. Even this season, despite his 47 goals in 2021. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you what know, he's he, 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 he still, he still got goals this season for Man United. And there's only just the way Wolves kind of handled it. You know, we, we talked Marcel. I thought Samedo was fantastic yet again. And, you know, we there's some absolute BS transfer rumours about Matt Doherty coming back to Wolves. I feel like I shouldn't have said that absolute because I know what's going to happen now. But, you know, we, we kind of, it almost drags back that conversation about comparing Samedo and Doherty. And a year and a half in, and it's night and day, which one I think you'd have, have at the club and which one brings, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put Matt Doherty in the after the 18 months he's had back in this team, when you look at the, the work, all the work Samado's doing. But as Samado, much as I love Dom. Samado, Samado isn't 30-odd 30, 30 million worth better than Doherty without going over old ground again. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, like, and I get it, Samado's better than Doherty, but I'd still rather have, rather us have spent that money in other air, more important areas in the team. That's just me. No goals, no assists, isn't it, Rob? Is it not, again? I love how we'll just say hang there. I, I know, I know Gully's got words, and I'm trying to think of the I'm right way to say I'm not gonna, I'm not going to throw him under the bus because, uh, you know, we all know what kind of state she ended up for yesterday. So. <laughs> I, I don't think my state has anything to do with Samada versus Doherty, though. We're, we're just giving you a pass today, that's all. Well, I think it's... I think it's really worth noting that we've conceded one goal from regular play and one penalty, and that was it for the entirety of last month. And I, I just think defensively, this team is probably one of maybe the best in the league. I mean, and we'll see if this continues moving forward, but it just seems like at the back, we are absolutely stacked and no one is getting by us. Um, 
so I, I can't fault any of that back five. And, you know, as much as I like Doherty, I just don't see a place for him right now. I mean, we've sort of got eight Nori and I kind of like eight Nori, but I feel like when he transitions into the attack, it's just not quite there. Um, whereas with Marshall, it feels like he's much more comfortable, whether it be at the back or at the front. But I just feel like every single person in that back five has really proved themselves beyond reasonable doubt that they're just superb. I think, Blake, the point you made there about defensively has probably been that if you look at the other teams that have great defensive records in this league, they probably all dominate the ball within every single game that they play. So if they didn't necessarily enjoy that much possession, they probably would have defensive records that might look a little bit similar to ours. But for a team that doesn't necessarily go out and have 60% of the ball every single week, we're more like 50-50 really. Our defensive record, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, Tony Roberts tweeted yesterday, I said to him, zero set-piece goals conceded at the halfway point of the season. That's just... I, I, someone needs to go and reach out to Opta and find out if that's a record because I can't imagine we're far off it if we are. Yeah. It, it, it's incredible. and That is crazy. It is crazy. And what, how, what can we... We can't even improve. Defensively, I don't think there's anything that we could improve on. No. And we don't like it's near enough, like Max, isn't it? Every single week, yeah. defensively. And it doesn't even feel like I get expanding from your point, Gully, about other teams who, I guess, set up in a more of a possession-based side. We don't, from from my perception anyway. I'd, I'd be interested to sort of know opposition's viewpoints. We don't seem like we're a naturally defensive side. It's not like with Burnley, where you know, if bar uh, this season, you know, a few years gone by. If they've kind of got a you know low goals against record, you go oh well they're Burnley they're sticking you know two banks of four edge of the box kind of stuff and it doesn't even really feel like that we're we're defending a bit deep but it's not like we're it just feels just normal um I, you know I, so I'd be interested to sort of see how different teams perceive us and I think there'd probably be different viewpoints depending on, you know, whether you're a Chelsea fan or a Brighton fan or... It all depends on how those games go yeah. against those teams, ultimately, doesn't it? People only see opposition, really, for two games a season. Um, yeah. And, and whatever impacts they have on you is, is what you kind of carry with you. Um, and there's not a lot of media narrative around Wolves in that regard either, I guess. No. Which I think and, does sway it. No, and we, we, we are a... We're a boring news item to a certain extent yeah. now, aren't we? So people will attach that to us in terms of our playing style and they look at the goals against column, they look at the goals for column, you know, they're low numbers. So mm. watching Wolves games is going to be potentially boring because there's not going to be a lot of goals and that's what people, you know, but that's a currency of football these days, isn't it? But um, it's great to be boring, isn't it? Not conceding any goals. You've always in, in with a chance of winning. When you game. when you when you're seventh in the league, you can't exact as a Wolves fan. You can't complain. <laughs> haven't so. we got the? Haven't we got like? Uh, is it like two points a goal or something like that? We've got like the, it's, the new uh, stat that came out with yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't seen that one before. I, I do love it when like just a completely like random one like that because from like I guess a pure statistics point of view, that is the most efficient you can be, isn't it? And we're the most all... efficient team in Premier League history, yeah. uh, according yeah. to that. So yeah, yeah. Let's keep it up. Second half of the season, jobs are good, and but um, going into second half, 
Um, just because I want to talk about the goal, to be honest, guys. Um, Noon, uh, I was going to say, Bruno did something that I think we've all been a bit critical of, and he made a change relatively early, and he brought Traore on a lot earlier than he usually does, and that felt like he did it at a point where the game was starting to lose control. We struggled after the break, and it just, Traore just gave them this panic that um, I think if we'd have left it another 10, 15 minutes... I don't know quite how the game would have gone. How did, how did you see um, see the sub, Blake? I, I don't necessarily know if I'd say the game was going, but it was certainly much more balanced. Um, we certainly let Man United back into the game a bit more. Granted, it still didn't look like they were getting anything short of easy. Granted, they hit the bar once and they probably should have scored from that. But all of that being said, yeah, it was great that, that Bruno did bring on Traore when he did because I think that it was the right time. I think we've kind of all been saying this and granted, you know, we're not the managers for a reason, but yeah, I, I just, I think Bruno really played it perfectly. Yeah. And, and Gully, when he did, when Troy got the ball on the halfway line and started streaking forward, at what point did you kind of think, yeah, Matic is going to get a yellow card here for chopping him down? It, it happened later than I thought it would, to be honest, because he almost got into yeah. the penalty area. Um, and, yeah, he saw Troy's frustration at that point because people have got to get out of jail free card against him now. If you're not on a yellow already, it's just an easy out where you can just hack him down. And people who want to throw, you know, shade at him seem to forget that he's basically the most targeted player in the Premier League when it comes to fouling him. Um, and, you know, Look, he's, he's had an impact on us winning the game, bottom line. And the week, that's what we can ask for. With regards to the timing of the subs, I always think, I, I imagine there's a plan to ring him on at some point. Pretty much, in every, if he's on the bench, you're going to use him at some point. So I just don't understand why you would only give him, say, 10 minutes at the end of a game. Like, mm. if, you're all, if you're going to bring him on, let him have some time to have an impact. It's not like it's an if, but, or maybe that you might play him. Because, let's be fair, the likelihood of Pedence, Raul, or Trincao lasting the 90 minutes between that the three happen. of them, it yeah. ain't going to happen. So you'd rather do it earlier and let him build himself into the game, let him, you know, get in, get get his levels going and get his blood flowing, and then he can he can actually do something with it, and that's what he showed. He needs at least half an hour, doesn't he? I just think it's really unfair, like you said, Gully. Like yeah. you can't just bring Every him on does, really. ten yeah. for the last. Well, yeah, but for the last ten minutes, and then it's like. Get the ball to, to Traore, and like everyone freaks out when he doesn't take on the man, or you know makes the wrong de- decision, and then it's like then by that time the game's over. Whereas at least half an hour gives him chance to do something stupid and then redeem himself. Um, you only got to look at the yeah. way uh, Marcus Rashford performed when he came off the bench yeah. yesterday to see how hard it is to be a substitute. He's, hor- he's been horrendous though, hasn't he? It was one of the Not worst performances I've ever seen. Like to come on and actually be a detriment to your team like that is like wow. Um, <laughs> Yano, Yannick Sagbo esque. Yeah, it it was memorable. Sagbo was bad, but he wasn't memorably bad from what I. <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't even call it, tell you. No, how, okay. Like yeah, like I will. That that Rashford performance will stay with me for a little bit. I think because I'm like I was going to say. In- contrasting yet again to Fabio Silva who put in what was potentially the greatest 
50, well, he came in the 81st minute, greatest 10, 15 minutes of his, his Wolves career. I don't know what he got for Christmas, but I want some of it because he, he played like the player we all think he could be. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, it leads us nicely on to the goal, which I think it was a fantastic team goal. And I love how the, the way it kind of all maneuvered was like a, a, a fantastic like football system and like clearly like pieced together in terms of how you want to play with the interchange from the forward back into, um, you know, back to Neves to Traore ball into the box you know, hopefully you score from that position. If not, then you get someone on the second ball. But pretty much within that team goal, essentially, all the individual parts were fantastic. You look at Silver's, you know, Silver's hold at play, the Nevis, the Nevis pass, you know, that Troy's cross, right, it, it got headed away, but it was a challenging cross for me. Like it, it wasn't an easiest one to defend. And then the, and then Martino's finish, you know, it's like it was a fantastic collective goal as well as full of fantastic individual components. What was quite funny about it is at the time, I thought it was a bit of a scruffy goal. Well, <laughs> like, the, <laughs> like the finish, I didn't, th- I thought it, like maybe the goal should have had it and all that. But then obviously looking back on it today, and as you say, Rich, like the ball from Neves is just like, he makes that kind of pass look so easy when it wasn't it wasn't an easy pass to make um and then oh, i can't describe to you how i felt when that ball went in the net honestly it's gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it a lot of pain wasn't you <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pain well not yeah. at the time this morning bruises all down my legs but it was so worth it like oh, i just couldn't believe it, it went was. in what did you say before recording? You went up three sets of seats rather than down them. Yeah, I think, well, I've been told I went back, like, back. And so you'd think you'd fall, wouldn't you, like, forward? But no, apparently, like, I end up on the row behind. Anti-gravity celebrations. <laughs> they say, Blake, Gilly, what were your thoughts on, uh, on the goal? The thing I always question isn't drilled into every single footballer's mind is low and hard this seems to me the most simple concept ever for shots outside the box no one seems to does it do it and i just don't get it it's like you look granted his shot was kind of scruffy but it was a low hard shot placed well even if a manchester united player gets a foot to it it's like well that creates some pinball at the very least. It might go to to Jimenez or who, I'm sorry, Jimenez was on, so whoever, Fabio. Uh, you, you just don't know what's going to happen with it. And I just see, you know, no offense to Neves, but how many times do we see him take a shot from outside the box and it ends up in Rosette and it's just a goal kick? Nothing comes from it. Whereas with a whole low hard shot, it's going to go in, it's going to create pinball. Something's going to happen. You don't necessarily know what. And I just think, that was the perfect sort of example of what a low, hard, well-hit shot can do for you. That is such a good point, though. Our shooting from outside the box is generally horrendous. It's either horrendous 
or they're just flying not very often and it's just like what are we i mean without going on a rant why on earth are we not practicing shots from outside the box because honestly i feel like the whole team's pretty terrible most of the time um assume they are practicing it i wouldn't say they're not they're just you know it's like heat heat of the battle isn't it it's like you know you practice penalties you know till the day you die and then you'll miss one in the middle of a proper like pressurized moment it's yeah but they're not just like no but they're not just like just past the post they're like literally nowhere near some of those shots when i was watching you saw you saw nevis pull that save out of de gea you saw oh yeah 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 and that would have been a worldy goal that would have been yeah. a worldy goal, but what I'm saying is that like, how many on target shots do we get from outside the box in a game? Almost none. Almost none. It's that's my point. But does that tell you that it's actually quite difficult? Like, it, if you look at Matinho's <laughs> goals for us, they're all they're all very precise. If you look at it, like, I remember the, the one he scored at Old Trafford mm. before. That's still my favourite out of the lot, I think, because it was on his weaker yeah. foot. Um, the free kick at Bournemouth. Um, where he was out on the touchline and he whipped it into the top corner. Yeah. That was unreal. It's just there's something about him. He's got this precision to his game that he doesn't shoot but off. He hasn't but when all he does, of the he time. makes it. He makes it, but when he makes it. No, he makes no, it count no. when he when needs he, to. When he shoots often, he's still like nowhere near though. And that's not a criticism. Not it's not a criticism because I know it was a worldy goal and we're getting off the point. But I do think we need to improve our shooting because it's, we score a lot more goals. I'll be more worried obvious. about. Yeah, I'll be more worried about our forwards not getting on the score sheet. That's my biggest problem, I think, at the moment. Because our forwards are there to be doing that. Martino isn't necessarily that kind of player, but he made it count yesterday. I was going to say, what I would say is I do agree with you, Gullian wanting strikers to score. But the thing I enjoyed about the goal was actually Martino getting in that position as well. Because, like, if he doesn't have the confidence or the you know, the, the role in the team more than anything else. Like, same Mati- sorry, same Jamatino doesn't have confidence, like the most, one of the most accomplished players in like European football but in the last. This, this also just- so comes down to the fact, though, that, and this is my, my favorite part about this whole, you know, podcast. Man United are terrible. Yeah. They, are, they, they give you the confidence mm-hmm. to go out and say, you know what, I'm probably going to make a run forward here because I ain't that worried about what's going on behind me. Bottom line, you know, they might have Ooh. the greatest player in the history of football. Piss off. Um, Messi doesn't but, play from, he plays for PSG. No, he doesn't. You're right, you're right. Sorry, my mistake. Um, the best player who can't even run. But they're, they're just a muddled mess. And it's, 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 it's incredibly enjoyable to watch this kind of, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a, a mishmash of superstars trying to work their way out against a team who have a proper plan. And we saw Bruno in his post-match in- interview literally just lay down in front of everyone. This is how we did it. Thank you very much <laughs> and good night. And that's it. And you're like, come on, mate. He's, he literally told the world how we just, you know, there's your blueprint, guys. Just just follow yeah. it. But you're completely right. That, all right, Martino gets the ball. He takes a touch, doesn't he? So if he shoots and he gets blocked by the defenders, it's going to roll out to a midfield two of... Matic and McTominay, who aren't going to get that ball for... You know, you're completely right. He's not going to worry about what's behind him. Why does he need to? And it's not even a team of superstars anymore, isn't it? Yeah, they've got Ronaldo, but... 
I just look weathered. There's look- a reason why we played the way we did against Liverpool, Man City yeah. and Chelsea. And there's a reason why we played the way we did against Man United. And that's all you need to understand about the whole situation. The game didn't happen, but just scale like my continuum of, I guess, attack-minded Wolves to defensive-minded Wolves. So we've got like Man City right at the far end and then Liverpool, then Chelsea and Man U's over here. I'm doing this, sorry. For, for people who are listening on the podcast, I'm trying to do my hands within this screen on the show and like completely losing them. Where would you put Arsenal? How theoretically... Arsenal under the team that I think play? we play well against every every single time we play. Yeah. I think we... we do you think, we, but do you think we, we play we, on the counter against them or do you think we try and take the game to them? I think we try and keep the ball. That's what I think, I, I think mm. we would. We would. Um, but uh, but Arsenal look a little bit more energetic than United, don't they? At least they're better. They look like you know they've got a bit of, a now. bit more flair actually. They do. When... But I still think they're easy to play through if if you do attack them. Mm. And I feel like again going back to the point, we've got enough talent in the team to go and do that. And I I, I put Neves and Matinho as a midfielder against anyone really. Like just look mm. at them. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I say the, the last thing that. Last part of the actual game itself we want to cover is in the last minute. Um, Jose Sar's save um, against what, what I for initially I thought it was going to be a Cristiano Ronaldo with like a 30 meter run up. And he can't take free kicks, he's Oakland, no, he can't do it. No, and it was genuinely good. He'd given it to, <laughs> yeah, um, Fernandes. Um, but the set, you know, again, it's sort of just I, I wasn't stressed. I don't know about you, Gary. I mean, to be honest, I got a bit because really, it was Bruno, um, and I've, I've seen him, you know, stick on top corner. But I felt sorry for Fabio, by the way, at that point because he thought, you know, he's done so yeah. well, and then he's going to be the scapegoat if if he score off. This, I don't think that was a foul, though. Have you seen? Have you seen the photos after he literally like who was it? Was it Matic who like who's Phil Jones? Oh, Phil Jones, he literally put his head down. So I don't think it was a high. Personally, if he could have gone, uh, I think it's Mike Dean, he likes the drama, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, it did very mm. much end it on sort of this dramatic note, but I, I, I trusted Sar. I didn't, I, I didn't get those same nerves that I've had previously. Um, I mean, I talking, was nervy. Were you, yeah, nervous? I was gonna I say, it's, I just, it's it, you know, especially after Liverpool, I just thought, oh, here we go again. Oh, we're just going to concede the, uh, 90, another 90-plusser, and it's just going to go all to waste. But sure enough, as you said, Jose saw yeah. he's the man. Um, in terms of my other match, guys, I mean, uh, I've pulled up a graphic from who scored. Um, I mean, ju- uh, two reasons. A, because it just get, puts a bit of a value to the players um, in terms of their performances. Pardon me, but it also <coughs> oh, crikey. Um, but it also has Man United's formation as well, which is a 4 2 2 2. Bonkers, bonkers. But anyway, Goody, who would you give Man of Match to? They gave it to Matinho. Um, who else was sort of a standout for yourself? Oh, Neves 6.8. Who the, who the fuck is watching these games? Like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I, I it would have been between. I'll, I'll pick out three to be fair because I don't think the defense was overly works. Um, I think Samado was class. I think Matinho was unbelievable. I thought Pedence was just unreal, and I think he's 
on the way to becoming our best attacker at the moment. Um, so maybe for, for that on that basis, like Andy Hinchcliffe gave, give it to Pedence. I think there's a few candidates in there, isn't there? Um, I think I'll go with Pedence as well, just because I think it's really brilliant to see him back and playing well, especially after catching COVID and, and stuff that he's been through. And, you know, it would be really nice if we could just have him there as a solid sort of winger, because we've sort of, as I, I, we've kind of talked before about how we don't really necessarily have anyone who's really cemented on those wings. And it'd be really nice if Potence could step up and really fill that role for us. Mm, who am I going for? I'd say pretty much the same as you guys, really. I think. Pedence obviously had a great game, but I, can't, I just can't look past Martinio just because he produced that moment of magic. And obviously his all-around performance was just pretty insane. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, Martinio, Neves had a great game. I think Cody's a bit unlucky to have uh, such a lower a low rating. Um, but, yeah. Can I just say as well, like anybody who went to go and jump on the watching Ronaldo live bandwagon, I hope you've been rightfully kind of wronged with your, whatever opinion you might have had because it's just not, it's just an, oh, he leaves me cold. Like he just, this is nothing to enjoy about him at all. Oh yeah, he might score a goal here or there, but there's not, nothing to enjoy about his football. Right. So. Did you, did, did people actually do that? People were talking about it as if it was like, I like, oh, it might, might, you know, what if he gets suspended? He was on, he's on a yellow card or something like that in his last game, Um, and he might have been suspended if you pick one up and things. It's like, oh, never get to see Ronaldo live. This kind of shit, and it's just like, I mean, I I appreciate you do want to watch, in theory, the best players in the world. You know, being part of the Premier League is the, the appeal is there for that. You do, we are watching the best players in the world every week. But him, come on, not him. Right. It's, it's maybe I do reckon that's why Dan went just to watch Ronaldo. No, I, 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 I'll, I'll cut Dan, <laughs> Dan a bit of slack, and I'm, I'm happy for him to jump jump on me in the, in the WhatsApp group. But um, I'll cut Dan some slack. He is a proper Wolves fan, and uh, I'm sure he had nothing to do with it. You just did a silent sue then on on YouTube. I was going to say, Richard, Richard lost you. You've gone totally. <laughs> I was going to say, I did it silently. Yeah, um, you which did. is the e- you, You've gone on mute now. <laughs> <laughs> Mine might decide to completely mute myself twice then, which was which was definitely impressive. But yeah, Dan was definitely doing the Ronaldo celebrations. Let's be honest. Whether he was doing it, whether he was doing it ironically or unironically, we'll. We'll leave it there for him to decide. Um, but yeah, again, I was going to say, I do kind of get it around Ronaldo because you say he is one of the greatest footballers of all time. But I mean, me, me and you, Gully, very much side. We, I don't want to do a Messi versus Ronaldo chat. Um, it's, just, but, it's just the fact that, and again, I, I don't disagree that he's one of the best players of all time. He's also one of the most underwhelming watches. Yeah. As well, you want to you want to watch ninety minutes of football. Don't go and watch Ronaldo because you're not going to get ninety minutes out of him. You're just not. 
Yeah, and no, the I point can... was, he was one of the best players in the world. But now he's definitely coming to the end. He's, he only cares so about his own legacy. Nice he's just interested in his own legacy, and that's all he's here for. Despite his forty-seven goals in the calendar year, God, we can't remember that. I think I, I kind of go by the Marie Kondo line. Does he spark joy when I watch him playing? No, he doesn't. No, I don't. So you know, like my uh, like my messy draw, he can get tidied away for all I care. But I think that's probably a good point before I bring up any other sort of cleaning gurus um, to go to an ad break. And then we'll be back after this to talk a little bit about African Cup of Nations, a little bit about uh, total recalls, and to do a bit of Twitter Corner. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some questionable opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk hello and welcome back everybody um as i mentioned before break um the two kind of points i guess align with one another to a degree but i want to start with roman sace who's now departed off to um play in the african cup of nations for morocco um he was someone i guess at the start of the season and end of last season who i kind of could see potentially moving on but over the course of the first half of the season he's become such an integral player into this into his side goody how big a miss do you think he'll be for Wolves over the next sort of month or so we've just lost our best free kick taker haven't we for the next month well yeah <laughs> we, to, we, to, we, we talked about Troy we doing that run uh, we didn't i didn't even talk about our left center half smashing the crossbar did we yeah, everyone was probably dreading him just lining that up, but that was that was a lovely little deft effort, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, when you think about the fact that, that we haven't changed our back three since the opening day of the season, you know, that's uh, that's probably unheard of in itself as well. Um, he's so important to the way that we play, um, especially in possession. You know, when, when it comes to playing out from the back, we do it a hell of a lot more now than we used to under Nuno, and it basically comes through him you know people always used to talk about Connor Cody spreading those passes um out to the wing backs and stuff but Sace is the one that really breaks the lines with his passes finds the forwards um has that extra bit of um precision I think um and I think that's what we're going to miss most um but he's also proven to be a perfectly competent Premier League defender um who has a slightly rash side which I kind of like, <laughs> you know, we, we need that. We're going to miss a bit of shithousery, although Marcel does a fairly good job of um, providing it as well. And uh, maybe he's going to be the left side of centre-half going forward. But yeah, I think he's li- he's leaving us in a very good position though. And I think that's what Bruno was most worried about, um, that we didn't have plenty of points on the board at the point that AFCON came round, And uh, he's done a great job until this point. I think what's the most in- interesting thing about this is He's quite. He's probably our most underrated defender. Would you say this season? It feels like actually yeah. Cody and um, Kilman have been getting all the plaudits, and Sace has just been ticking along nicely, not doing anything spectacular. Maybe not as 
not put in as many um, sort of man of the match performances as the other two. But I think, yeah, I think he's, you know, he's quite underrated. He's a left-footed centre-back. He's just, I think we'll miss him. And I think he does the simple things well and he'll, 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 yeah, I think he'll probably be missed. I think, I think the issue is we haven't really got a replacement. Who's actually going to play there? Is it going to be Marcel? Is it going to be Dendonka? Bolly, maybe? No, he's not. Going well, to I was going to say, but Bolly's um, <clears throat> not being. I was going to say whether he's not being called up slash he's pulled out via injury. It would be quite funny if he was claimed injured and then we started him on Sunday or something. <laughs> like, that, that that would be. A, he's not fit enough to fly over to Cameroon, but um, no, he's but fine. he's fit he's enough to uh, play. <laughs> yeah, to to play against yeah. Sheffield United. Um, I mean that that sort of brings us nicely on. Um, to to what you said, Kim, in terms of who's gonna play there, because Wolves over the, I guess over the weekend, um, have recalled uh, Ryan Giles and Dion Sanderson from their loan spells at Cardiff and Birmingham, uh, respectively. Um, uh, part of me is a little bit frustrated, to be honest, um, just because they both had really solid loan spells, particularly Giles, joint amount of assists. Um, so far in the championship for a not particularly good Cardiff side. Um, so you can't hope that they get minutes and whether they potentially go back out on loan at the end, towards the end of the month, if we get more players in, um, I just want to make sure I, I, you know, for me, it's like on a player perspective, but both of those players are back at the club, back in contention. Um, do you see, Either of those two making a big impact uh, in the, I guess, the squad slash starting 11, Blake? Personally not. Now, that's not to say that they won't have their fair share of appearances, but personally, I haven't seen anything from them that makes me think, oh, yeah, these guys are definitely ready for the Premier League and they're just going to come in and smash things up. And I, I just haven't seen anything... Like that. Now, granted, we have some issues. Don't get me wrong, and I think there there could be some real utility to having these guys back, and I think that that they could really serve their purpose. But do I really think that they're going to make a lasting impression? Not not particularly, to be honest. Could I feel about- pretty sorry for yeah. sorry for them. Actually, I think they would have for their own careers. They needed to just, you know, I think they're both having decent seasons and they're playing at a decent level, um, you know, and getting regular games. And it's just a shame, isn't it? That they're now being hauled back. And like Blake said, you can't, they're not really going to play many games, are they? Like maybe, will they play in like the cup games maybe? Or just, or are they literally just going to be sitting on the bench every week? Like Morgan Gibbs White was, and it just really, Really hadn't helped his career. Like, I'm just glad that we ha- we're not going to recall Gibbs White. It looks like because I think that would be a, a big mistake if we did that. I think that goes to show that the the kind of the levels that we 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 see in the three of them. If you talk about Gibbs White, Sanderson, and Giles, mm. so you can look at it two ways, I guess. Sanderson and Giles have probably proven themselves at Championship level now. You could say to a certain degree. Yeah, I think, now, I think you can say it for both of them. Yeah, that you know, it's that's probably the level they'll play at, regardless of what happens over the next six months towards the end of the season. So, if they're now to try and make the step up, 
keeping up, keeping them at Wolves and saying to them, okay, look, you've done your bit in the Championship. Whatever happens, that's your level. Like You're not going to fall below that. So now is your chance to prove if you're good enough for the Premier League. The difference with Gibbs-White is that I think they they know that he's good enough for the Premier League, but they need him to go out and play minutes to actually get him ready for the step up next season, which they probably see him as part of the squad next season. Whereas with Giles and Sanderson, the, they've dangled the carrot a little bit now and said, look, you're going to have the rest of the season, show us your worth. And you know what? It could be a masterstroke if they went and stepped up now. Because I think with Sanderson especially, the one thing that we do lack at the back, um, you know, whether we be agree or not, is pace. And mm. it it just adds a different dimension to that back line. He's quick. He's very, very quick. Um, I remember we there was that game at uh, Villa in the Carabao Cup where we played all the kids. You played right wing back that day. And he reminded me a lot of when like, Herver came in where he wasn't that great on the ball, but getting up and down the line, he's absolutely lightning. And if you add that to the back line, three centre halves, you can play five yards further up the pitch. You know, he, and I think he's ready to to kind of have a chance at least. Yeah, I think with with both of them, to be fair, and one of the I guess joys of playing with a back three slash five is you have that extra cover. And you know, if we assume that let, let's say. Um, maybe against Southampton. If, if we exclude the cup for for, for now against uh, Sheffield United, the you know whether it's Marcel plays left centre half, um, and you know whether it's and you know let's say eight Norway's not fit, so Giles has to play. You've got good cover there for him. If Sanderson comes in, at, you know on the other side, let's say just make it easier he's got Connor Cody next to him he's got Samedo next to him and there's a lot of security in that for an inexperienced player at that level for me and I've got to be honest with either of them I've got no real concerns just because this team seems to be so well drilled it'll just be a question of whether they can I guess implement themselves in the system um but that's the thing though isn't it they're not coming into a team that's under pressure really and if you're throwing him into a pressurised environment, you can understand where there's a, there's a risk attached to that. We're in a pretty low-risk position. You know, we've got 28 points at this stage of the season. We continue on that rate. We finish, finish on 56. I think the best season under Nuno is 57. Um, so you take, you'd have taken that at the start of the season. Bottom line, yeah. you know, we're playing fine. So if you drop three or four points between now and the end of the season on that, is it that much of an issue? for the sake of someone potentially having a career at Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I I did do a quick poll on Twitter earlier to see who we thought would get more minutes. Um, And Dion Sanderson won sort of 75 to 25% Ryan Giles. So I think people are expecting Sanderson to play more than Ryan Giles um, over the next sort of few months at Wolves. Um, but I think very much time's going to tell with both of those. And I, I guess my last sort of thought, um, now with transfer windows open, do we think that those two players being recalled is an indication of our lack of activity in the transfer market in the next four weeks, uh, Blake? More likely than not. Um, now, I'm not quite as 
doomsday, this is the apocalypse, oh no, Fosin aren't investing in wolves, the horror, as, as some people certainly are. But it is, you know, it is disappointing that we're not going to have, well, probably not going to have much fun in January. But that being said, I mean, is it the end of the world? I, I, I certainly don't think so. I think we have a team that's, granted, it is thin, but it's it's certainly proved itself to be good enough of, of, of playing well, uh, of being a team which could compete for Europe. So I'm, no matter how this plays out, I think we're going to be just fine. Um, but I do think that if we're recalling him, especially this early, then we're probably not doing any business this this month. It's not a disaster, but it's really disappointing, isn't it? Considering how well Bruno's got this team playing and they're not even his players. It's- I think the thing is, Fosun have said from day one that this is a 10-year project. They have said from, from day very one that this is going to be a long-term thing. And while I certainly understand the frustration that, you know, we want to be competing for Europe every single season, we want to be being the best team that we could possibly be, I also don't think it makes sense to just splash the cash in January and a bunch of players that may or may not fit in the team. And then we we come to find that they're just completely useless and we've just wasted a bunch of money for no reason. Uh, personally, but I don't see but that they're doing very that. useful. But then, no, no, but I don't think we're saying that, are we? We just need to get players to just give us an adequate squad number that just, are up to the standard so one to two players I, f- I would be pretty happy with that in January albeit as long as they're the right players but it just feels like we're not even we literally we are selling to buy that is it we haven't got a penny are, to our name are we doing that if we're taking you know if the forget the fact that we're part of our club we're taking very good championship players and supplementing our squad that's essentially what we've done by bringing back Sanderson and Giles. That that feels okay to me. Like you know, if we sign like, other players, yeah. Who who else do we need to bring in then? Because if you look at it numbers wise, with the likes of Johnny and Neto coming back, I don't see where we need. Uh, we need a centre back and a centre midfield, yeah. But if Jordan is part of the squad now as well, again, it's it just it doesn't. It's all a balancing act. I mean, especially, I just I don't see the value in January. It's it's just not there. To me, especially if Neto comes back in February, I think that's a massive improvement to this club essentially overnight. Granted, we don't know if he'll be back to his full self immediately. But I think that Neto is, if we could get Neto back, I think that's one of those key players that would really take this club to the next level. Yeah. Uh, if I mean, we get Neto back, we should be we should be binning Traore off and getting some money and then reinvesting that money that we get for Traore back in the team. But ultimately, if, well, we, there's my if sound we had Neto, the episode. Yeah. If we had Neto yesterday, we win that game 2 3 0, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, ultimately, you know, that's what it comes mm. down to. We're lacking a little bit of cutting edge. But I think the, the mad thing is, and uh, I feel like I've observed this on a number of occasions when Wolves aren't playing, but the kind of the fan base anxiety meter just kind of seems to peak whenever we're not playing. Um, and we had two weeks without a game. What, after? prior to the Man United fixture. The petrol on the fire was John Percy's article that said that we're not likely to do any business. And you've got this whole section of the fan base that are all of a sudden fossing out, fossing out. And it's like, like I don't know. That's a bit extreme be- though, isn't it? A bit. I think it's ridiculous, frankly. Like, It's not like people on social media to be, you know, Again, maybe it's just the absence of a game, you know, absence of something actual to talk about. But 
rather fill the fill the the vacuum of information with outrage. You know, maybe that's the the way these people operate. But you know, I was seeing tweets like, "I'd rather be back in the championship where you know the clubs <laughs> might actually have some ambition and stuff." And like in my head, I'm thinking, "Oh yeah, I much rather watched uh, watching uh, George Savlin in my field compared to uh, Jaramatino. That was those were much better days." But the 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 people calling out the club off the back of perhaps not spending money in January. Yeah. It's, it's baffling. Like I, and I, I mentioned this uh, the other day, but you know, Everton have already made two signings in January and I can't wait till someone points at them and says, well, look, they're doing business. So obviously we should be doing business as well because famously they're always brilliant in the transfer market, aren't they? Um, but, you know, just to think about, and I don't, I don't, I'm not talking, you know, think about the league one days and all that kind of shit. Think about the way our squad is composed, the way we played against Man United. And maybe we needed that performance to remind people again, but there's talent. Bruno is within his rights to say to his forwards, especially at the moment, say, you're not doing enough. Regardless of whether there's people coming in or not, they need to pick up their, their, their performances. We have more in the locker. I think we can all see that we've only scored 14 goals this season. That's not good enough for the talent that we've actually got available to us. That doesn't mean we have to go and sign someone to fix that. That that could be something, you know, like we work on the training fields. It might be a formation change. All sorts of avenues are available to us, but everyone would rather just throw their arms up in outrage and think, say, Fosin out, you haven't got the ambition, you're not taking us where we want to go. But do you think it's fair, though, that Bruno hasn't even bought in his own players, apart from I think it's. Wang? I think it's fair to, to say to Bruno, look... I appreciate what you're saying. If there's a deal that comes up that we are going to snap someone's hands off for, fair enough. But if that deal ain't there, then it's just not there. We shouldn't go fishing for something when you know it's not going to be value for the club, especially when we're in a safe position within the league. We're potentially on the, you know, looking good for the second half of the season with players coming back from injury, and realistically, the summer it's around the corner. We've got the opportunity to do business in the summer it's not that far away and we've still but got, we've got three centre midfielders three centre midfielders currently four I'm counting four who's fourth well who's you can't discount Jordan you can't discount Jordan because he's there he's part Played of the club fourth. oh no he's part of the club he's there he's within the within the first tank first team group. he only needs well not... a Neves injury and we're in melt like we're in crisis do you know what I mean it's absolutely crisis <laughs> Yeah, Is I think it? that's the thing. It's we're like in when we're, that happens. When, when we're in mid-table, I just think I, we have room. We have wiggle room. We have the ability to sort of just see how things play out. And there have been some very silly people who've suggested that relegation is still on the table. And granted, if the whole side gets injured, then maybe. But realistically, we're not getting anywhere close to the relegation places this year. And... To me, it'd be great to do business in January, but it's one of those things where we just don't have to. But for can... Bruno to play his favoured formation, of which we believe is to be four-two-two-two, then we won't. We haven't got the players to do it in his in his eyes. That's why we're still continuing to play five at the back, and we'll still continue to be quite boring until until we get some better players where we can play four at the back. But we're still a good team. 
And we're probably we are, the yeah. best defensive team in the Premier League. So do we really want to shift away from what we have now? I'm not convinced. I completely agree with all your points, which is exactly what you want to hear in a balanced argument. But we're going yeah. on, a, on a tandem now. No, no, no. You, 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 you're all on track. I think Goody's right in saying that, look, the players we brought in, We've recalled. We've not had to spend any money on getting to a, you know, frankly accomplished, energetic, good level championship players. If someone said to you blind um, that, you know, you get you're getting to bring in the player with the joint most um, amount of assists in the championship, who's going to bolster your squad? You know, okay, great. You don't have to pay anything for him. Fantastic. My only sticking point and you say you look at the squad numbers the players who potentially are coming back my only sticking point is around midfield and i appreciate you can say we've technically got four with your doubt i've never seen him play and that again but i've read we, bet we haven't seen but he's, at this again level. He's, a, seen he's Sanderson a, at this level he could be player. yeah it's just a supplement he's not there to be a first team player as in like start every week that's not that's not what he's there for but if Neves has got a cruciate ligament we can't work on hypotheticals you can't can't just sign a player every time someone gets injured like that's not smart either I was going to say my other thing and smart is the the word I was going to allude to is that if you put all of our first 11 in a row and sort of said right where are our best players We've kind of we've already looped back at the start of the show, saying how good Nevers and Matinho are. Who is going to want to come and be third choice? You know how we'd all love Renato Sanchez to join Wolves. Don't get me wrong, but how's that going to work? What's the selling point for him? Because Joe Matinho is on his last legs. But he isn't because we've just been talking about for the last six months. And I, I completely know, get but... it. The other thing I'm going to just decide to be really just devil's advocate is, Gully, you're right. There's rarely any value in the transfer market in January. Time and time again, it's proven it. But there's going to be more value in this January transfer window than I think there will be in the summer because of the uh, Winter World Cup. And with the shortened spell around that, players are, you know, players don't like moving just prior to a major tournament because if it goes wrong, they might not get the call up. So are people going to, are international players going to be interested in moving in summer? And then if we go in a year, this time next year, we'll have just played in a World Cup. So the market's going to be all out of kilter. Fortunately, Portugal might not qualify, so Wolves could be fine. But you 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 want to sign players that are playing well. Bottom line, and yeah. teams who have players that are playing well just aren't going to want to sell them, are they? Well, not just players that are playing well. I mean, take a look at Man United. I mean, how much money have they spent in the past few years? And they just don't have a team. And one of the things that Wolves really do have is a team. I mean, it feels mm. like every single player that's on that pitch, especially currently, wants to be a part of Wolverhampton Wonders. And if we're going to sign someone, I think it needs to be someone who wants to be a part of that team. If you're I talking about, again, Man United as an example, Jesse Lingard went to West Ham um, mid-middle of the season last year, proper boosted them, gave him the kick that they needed to keep their form up. Yeah. You bring him into the team right now. 
all the questions. Um, how much are you paying him? What are we going to spend if we need to bring him in? Who gets dropped out of the team? Now I know in our four positions we aren't playing well enough, so perhaps there's a spot for him there. But you know, these are all the things that need to be considered. You know, before you actually go out. Last season again, West Ham probably they had about three. They only ever had Antonio as a striker, like for the last three or four years. So there's always there was a need for them to actually go and do it. I don't necessarily think there's that need for the expenditure that we might. But Bruno says there is. He's clearly come out and said he wants X, Y, and Z. For good value, these players. For good value, though, it has to be good value. Yeah, yeah. So this is fascinating for me because I say I think there's a obvious desire for Wolves to improve, and the other thing for. I kind of found interesting sort of wanting to pick up is something Gully probably said about 10 minutes ago now where, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and impl- improve this team. It doesn't necessarily have to be from spending £15 million to bring in a new player. Wolves, oh, or Fosun, the last two, this current manager and Nuno, they've bought, they've had coaches who improve players. And they've, they are, I guess, I say, "Quote unquote proper coaches and don't you know Bruno wants more players because I think the squad is threadbare and I don't think there is a strength in depth. But actually, they've both shown in their tenures, you know, historically and currently, that they're improving players. Whether it's five formation or them individually, and all right, I'm skeptical about Jordao, um, but actually, I've got." trust in the manager that you know what if again hopefully he plays against Sheffield United and he gets 70 80 minutes if he doesn't that's when I'll have question marks because it's like well if he's not getting a game then when is he getting a game because he's not being he's not having an impact he he is you say he's fourth man on that roster and he's not getting a look and he's not you know there's no difference between him being on the in the squad or not at that point so I think it's going to be a really interesting transfer window. If we don't sign anyone, I don't quite know what the reaction will be. As always, it'll just be dependent on if Wolves have won or lost recently, won't it? So that's what usually that's what usually drives yeah. it. Yeah, um, and then the panic button gets pressed. Yeah, you know, even Wang, we're, we're kind of half assuming he's going to sign permanently, but he's out until February now, and you know, a month and a half out, it. it, it in a season for a lone player does sometimes make clubs a bit antsy. So I think there's a lot of variables that are going to go into it, um, but we'll be here. Don't worry, guys. We will be here to analyse it and debate it all day long. Um, shall we have a few Twitter corner questions uh, to round up today's show, guys? Let's go. Right, let's see. What order should we start with? We'll start from our good friend, Nag. So, Noting last night was a late Christmas present. What was your worst Christmas present this year? <clears throat> who's going to be brave enough to say it? Who, who's got so, family who listen? First of all, um, I caught COVID, which is shit. But yeah. to give you a real answer, to give you a real answer, um, do you guys know what those Funko Pop things are? Yeah. I got one of those, and I just think... They're like these weird plastic figures, but they have like black holes for eyes. 
And I just think that they're the most creepy thing that I've ever seen. So, Did this collection. person know that when they bought it for you? No, they, they, they didn't know that I didn't like them. So uh, okay, tough luck for them. Um, I didn't really mind that much, but it's just I, I, I can't bear to even open it. It's just such a weird looking thing. Yeah. Uh, I got Alan Brazil autobiography. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> From father-in-law. Every chapter would be like started with uh, uh, I was on the sesh one day and then this happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> he gives me a run for my money, doesn't he? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was gonna say contrasting it, I also got a um self-published book called Walks Out of Shiftnell as well. Um, in terms of very good presence. Just just give that little plug as well. Self-published, as in like Oh, it was like some some, some blokers wrote it, and like, yeah, it's not it's not like done by like a publisher or whatever. He's done it all okay. himself. Nice. Um, yeah, so that that'll be my plug for the week. Guess what mine was? Not fifty Kinder surprises. Fifty. No, fifty. Oh. Yeah. Are you a fan? I'll take you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love Kinder Surprises, but it's like basically it's one of my cousins who just decide they always wrap really stupid, like hilariously banterish presents. And it's just 50 Kinder Surprises, but I love the chocolate. So it was shit, but it was, I suppose, you know. Not even, what are you going to so. do with the toy in the middle? Or toys? I don't know. I haven't. Well, <laughs> the chocolate's better than the toys, aren't they? I mean, they're a bit crap. Yeah, I, I have so, to say, I, I don't think I necessarily got any bad ones. Um, I mean, I'll put this out to the to the audience, but I t- generally ask for socks and and boxes like, every year. Um, Great, just because it's a nice time to kind of update that that part of your wardrobe. And my wife took it to the extreme and bought me a fourteen pack of boxes. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, wow, <laughs> aggressive number. That is a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I needed an entirely new, like, replacement set, but 14. <laughs> I didn't realise so I had 14 packs. So... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because it's two weeks' worth. Yeah. And it's like the but French connection. You, you so like, it's not like they're low quality. They're, they're pretty decent quality as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you're all going to know what I'm wearing basically every day of the week. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't really want to go too into too much detail about what and where your wife's been buying you, but is it varied in colour? I can't imagine. You know, if it's all one yeah, colour, yeah, generally all relatively same-y. relatively dark colours. So um, okay, oh no, but okay, so there's at least some like, different, variation. Different, yeah. Okay, right, I mean, I can, I, can... I could go upstairs and grab the box for you if you I, want. I but... think I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll do it post for <laughs> sure. It's fine. It's sure. Fine, yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Please just tweet we, we, me, we, guys. My oh, I was going to say it's at Molyneux Bruising's. For, for anyone who's interested, but right, let, let's get on to another question because um, I'm thinking of so many different show titles after this. Um, right, uh, Nag also asks, uh, Kim, how's your hangover? I thought we were going to skip this question. No, no. The people want to know. We have a duty to I'm, answer. Well, how, how can I answer this? I'm alive. That's the first positive. You weren't, you weren't um, speaking to us from, from heaven or hell, wherever you end up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just battered. I'm absolutely bruised from oh, 
I just don't know what happened. Never. All I'm saying is dry January starts today. Yeah, to be fair, you, you were fairly open last week um, when you were saying, I'm going to do dry January. And you're like, right, but you're the playing on the third. And you're like, I'll do it from the fourth to the fourth. But that's what everyone does, doesn't, don't they? Like, it officially, like, normal life started again today, didn't it? Like, go back to work, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there was never going to be, I never said, and never committed, can I just say, to dry January until after that game. So now I'm committing. I will be sun- Sunday. I'll be in the pub, but I'll be having a water. Good for no you. Yeah, no, I've said it on... On this no, show, I don't know now, why you talk. So... Why just don't, don't go to the pub? Just just go to the game. Honestly, no, like, feels like social. torture. Or have something that isn't water. Like you can get a maybe a blackcurrant soda. Yeah, yeah blackcurrant soda. Yeah. Right. Let's see what else we've got up. Um, Jason Horton. Um, I feel this is a bit like um, ever so slightly tin hat, but I don't think it's fully. Have we brought? Uh, it's almost optimistic rather than tin hat, sorry. But have we brought back Charles and Sanderson to help with the homegrown um, squad quota if we sign players from overseas? Which I feel... We're, we're oh, I feel like that's a, that's positive, actually. That's just given me a little bit of hope, seeing that yeah. question. Yeah. That so is a glass half full answer, isn't it? That's yeah. Like he, he, is, he is someone who's playing like... He he's playing chess and we're just playing checkers arguing. Oh, very good. And it's like no. Read we can get. Thing is, yeah. if you re- if we read if we retweet that from the channel um, after just beating Man United, now everybody's going to be on a high, thinking actually Wolves have just won, so it must be positive. And now if we look at it this way, everybody's going to be on a high, thinking this January transfer window we're in business. Yeah, that is how fickle we all are. It must be it. Um, Adam MB uh, asks much more fan cast levels. Um, which way do you hang your loo roll? I don't know what the official terminology is, but towards me, where yeah. it's falling down, towards me. Yeah, agree. I think that's I the think normal it comes way. Think... Over the top, like yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think yeah. any and other way is down. away from the wall. Any other way yeah. is yeah. completely psychopathic, and I don't want to meet those people. Yeah. I, I I don't understand why even it might be an offence to do it the other way. To be honest, but I don't. I might know. just flip it around tonight when I yeah. go upstairs. What again? You've always just introduce you introduce a bit of chaos. <laughs> introduce a bit yeah. of chaos. Yeah. Just keep doing it until the, until your wife notices. Yeah. Oh no! Not just your wife. Just do it in every like home slash bathroom you go into oh, mate, i am not having and... any visitors this month so <laughs> nobody else is going to be uh noticing so stay away everyone what else have we got um has say has got an extra year's option in our favor on his contract and do we expect him and Martino to sign um contract extensions before the end of the season i mean Martino still seems like he's got legs in the tank i think it might just be a case of he gets another year and we see how he goes. But didn't think... didn't Jose Sar comment on Martino's Instagram and said, "Get this bloke and well, probably not those words, but get this bloke a new contract." Basically, so yeah. it must be. Yeah. I reckon it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's they're actually exposed in the sense that teams in Europe can actually approach them now and uh, do yeah. a pre contract with them. So, you know, I think it's safe could go to like. One of the top clubs in in France, I reckon, barring probably PSG, 
um, yeah. and, and be a really good player for them. So it might be attractive to him. Um, but I mean, there's I, only I, really one club he couldn't go to in Europe at the moment. That's Barcelona. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they signed him? They could do with the centre half, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I'd just I'd love it if Real Madrid signed him just to really bang it. <laughs> just up. play that video every every home game, like <laughs> yeah. before the games. Yeah. Uh, right what else have we got um uh, steve morgan um disappointed if sanderson doesn't go straight um into a team right away kilman switching over um you know again sort of highlighting is it going to curb their development um and gaz roberts as we kind of talked about earlier um saying who we think will replace say in the lineup, which I don't think we actually gave a definitive answer. So um I might think in our game after our next league games against Southampton. I made that up in my head. But who do we think is going to start Wolves next league fixture? Do we think it's going to be Sanderson coming into the back line or do we think it's more likely going to be Marcel playing there? Thing is, he's, he's kind of got options now, isn't he? Weirdly, like out of nowhere, he's like, Oh, what do I do? Um, could play Marcel there, could play Sanderson there, could play Dendonka there. Will but there's not a standout there. option, is there really? Oh. There's not a standout option. Like, mm. is Marcel there's, too small to play centre back? There's the safe option, which you'd say is probably Marcel just because of his experience. Um, and he played there for Leon in the Champions League, so yeah. I'd you'd say that that's a fairly safe bet. Yeah. Uh, as much as I would like to see Sanderson back there, I, I just don't think he's quite going to be called up immediately. Um, so uh, I think it's kind of between, as you said, Martial and Den Donker. So we'll see. You don't, you don't want oh, to shift Den Donker. No, because no, that's no. another that's another change. Then isn't it? He's been playing well where he where he where he's been playing rather than switching him over, bringing in another another player. Like we're going to have to do that. So I'd rather just keep Kilman where he is and then stick then Donker in. I suppose. Yeah, I I, I think it's probably going to be Marcel because Bruno seems to trust him. He's got experience playing there, and it's less variables it's shifting a player who's already in the first team squad into a position with eight nori being able to play his natural position it's just less changes whether injuries fatigue or impact that i think time will tell but last up um from our good man adam price with a incredibly sensible question is when you are sat down and need to fart uh, which way do you lean in order to release the aforementioned gas Apparently, if you lean to the left, you are not to be trusted. This isn't a political thing, he says. <laughs> it's nice to end it on, you know, 80 minutes into recording for a question like this, isn't it? I'd but... lean in the opposite direction to whoever is sat next to me. So if you're sat on my right, I would lean to my left and vice versa. Yeah, I think that's the call. And then when, I'm, when you're on your own, it just depends on which leg you're already leaning. You don't need to so... do anything really, do you? No, no. Right. Yeah. And my response is, girls don't fart. So I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew. <laughs> I nearly shared it with you before. Pre- I'm, going, I'm, I'm like predictable. Yeah. Yeah. So predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems like a 
perfect place to end the show. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened, as always. Um, shout outs to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Make sure you go check them out, pixelyetimedia.com. And make sure you check out the 90 Min Football Family Network as well. We'll be back um, to preview the FA Cup game, uh, where we will be up for the Cup. And I cannot wait, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to be up for a cup yet again. Um, until next time, though, it's goodbye from Blake. See ya. It's goodbye from Gully. Fuck United. Goodbye <laughs> from Kim. <laughs> it's goodbye from Kim. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. Hope your year continues to be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? I'm going full. People might yet win it here for war.